Being a dad isn't always easy, but it's the best thing I ever did. I'm constantly improving myself to be the best dad I can be through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. As fathers, we pass on many things to our children, such as our mindset, our habits, our attitude, and what we've learned along the way. Each of these will shape who our children are and who they will become. The Warrior Dad's mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself, to hone your edge, and to live with purpose. My name is Jim Bartomey, and this is the Warrior Dads Podcast. Hey, before we jump into the interview, whether you're a longtime listener or a first-time listener, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and I'm honored that you would choose this to listen to. Uh, in addition to that, thank you. I wanted to ask you two things. If you do like this episode or any of the other episodes you've listened to, could you leave a comment or a review or a rating? That would really mean a lot, and it really helps out the show a lot whether you're listening to it on iTunes or Spotify or Anchor or whatever platform, um, please take 20 to 30 seconds to leave a nice, honest review. And the second thing is that we can continue the conversation on Facebook and continue to connect and support each other over there in the Warrior Dads uh, private group. So um, if you're on Facebook, I'd really appreciate you to just you know click join and connect with other guys that are looking to become stronger, healthier, happier, better leaders, etc. Okay, let's jump into the interview. Hey guys, thanks for tuning back in for another episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. Today I'm bringing on Justin Mil, uh, from Milmac, and Milmac is a blade company. He is the owner and the founder of Milmac Blades. He's a SWAT officer, he's a husband and a father of two, and he's also the host of Man Minutes podcast where he takes his experience of years in law enforcement and owning a business to talk about mindset, situational awareness, mental preparation, bettering yourself, and much, much more. Justin makes some high-end, badass blades that you can find out on his website, millmacaz.com, which I'll also have down in the show notes. And my two personal favorites, just for the record, are the CCW Courses of Action Blade Package, where you actually get a training blade um and, and and a real blade and the emergency shank which looks really cool but unfortunately right now is out of stock so maybe we'll find <laughs> out if there's any more coming back in but justin thanks so much for coming on the warrior dads podcast oh thank you so much for having me i, I really uh, appreciate it so thank you yeah absolutely um maybe you can answer that though real quick is the emergency shank coming back anytime soon they are man i'm working on a batch of them right now of the standard emergency shanks and then the emergency shank 2.0 so i should have about 20 of each in stock here in the next uh, couple weeks what's the 2.0 give you uh so the emergency shank the standard one is just a shank right like no actual edge on that blade it's just a uh, comes to a point and the 2.0 has an actual um smaller like a, a inch long actual edge on that uh, shank oh okay kind of like the actual the um the one i just mentioned the ccw um courses of action blade right because that has just like a little little double-edged blade on it yeah so on the back side it's got an asymmetrical edge um a dual edge on the back and then uh, just a normal bevel on the kind of the front of the blade so it's just like our normal ccw blade we just added a couple things um from uh, courses action that he wanted to add on to kind of change the profile and whatnot on that blade oh okay i didn't know that was an actual uh so that was made for somebody then i thought i thought courses of action was just uh something you came up with um no yeah so um Johnny Primo from Courses of Action Training Company. Um, it's a kind of a blade. So I have always made my CCW blade. Mm -hmm. um, and then he was looking at the design in a blade and the um, 
we just kind of got together and just changed. It's the exact same profile as my CCW, uh, but we added some jimping, um, a dual edge to it, and then a little exposed part on the uh, the rear of the handle, just mm -hmm. uh, to kind of some things he wanted to add to that to it. So that's that's where that uh, blade kind of originated from. Nice. I like that you guys use the uh, the training blade too, and the sheath is really sleek. Yeah, they turned out awesome, man. I'm a huge fan of like trainers for for blades. There's a lot of guys out there that uh, make kind of self-defense style blades and then don't offer trainers. So I'm always a little wary of that. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a good little, uh, addition. Yeah, absolutely. So tell everybody, you know, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of background on you and how actually how you ended up where you are today. All right, man. So gosh, so, uh, grew up kind of, um, in a, um, well, gosh, somewhat single parent household. Um, my dad passed away when I was little, when I was 10. Um, so my mom kind of just raised us, um, grew up playing sports, was an athlete, um, played a little football in college and then, uh, ended up getting hurt in college and knew I was going either into law enforcement or into the military. Those were kind of my two paths, right? Why is that? Um, it's just something I'd always wanted to do. Uh, my dad was in the military. A bunch of family members were. I had some other family members that were policemen. Um, and it was just like I, I grew up hunting, grew up around guns. Um, and it just always kind of intrigued me, man. Like I just really always liked uh, those kinds of things. Like growing up watching different cop movies, different military movies. And it was just something I knew uh, I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. So those are kind of the two options, um, end up, um, applying for, um, OCS in the military for a couple different branches. Um, the football injury that stopped me from playing football anymore. Um, I got denied my application. So I was kind of like, um, now I was in between enlisting and becoming a police officer at that time. I had a family friend that was, um, an officer for the, my current department, Said, hey man, won't you um, just test, see what happens? Um, end up applying, taking the test, and have been there for almost 16 years now. Wow! So that's awesome. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, good gig. Yeah, and SWAT too. I mean, that's that's like next level stuff. I mean, what 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 made you want? Well, I guess maybe that's kind of uh, you know nothing against just. Uh, you know, I don't know if you'd call it a regular officer or a street street cop, but you know, SWAT is more, you know, uh, spe specialty, right? Special weapons and tactics. So, because you had that want to go into the military, is that what led you into SWAT? Yeah. So I knew for me ahead of time, like I knew um, that I that's the route I wanted to go, like that that tactical kind of route. Um, mm -hmm. just because that was what I was thinking in the military um, as well. And so I knew, um, once I ended up getting like prior to even getting hired, I'm like, okay, if I become a police officer, that's the route I want to go. So for us, um, you have to be on three years before you're able to even apply to our team to even take the, to go through the selection process or take our test. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, right at the uh, three year mark, I had been kind of studying, preparing. Um, I did some temporary assignments with our team just to kind of get an idea of, of a better understanding and idea of what they did, um, end up going through our, um, testing process, our selection process, and I made it. 
and I've been there for gosh, just over 11 years now. So first shot you got in, I did. I got lucky. I was, uh, um, they took, um, gosh, I want to say five or six of us that, that year they took six and I was the fifth one that was taken. So out of how many, um, gosh, I want to say we started that process with probably like 40, 45 guys. Wow. Somewhere in there. And there's, it's a, it's a constant selection process. Like one day is a physical fitness test and some shooting. The next day is a written test. The next day is a bunch of decision-making things. Then we would go, then we went through like a week long SWAT school and we're tested on stuff at there. And then you go through an oral interview with our chain of command and, um, you're getting, people are getting eliminated as you go through. And then, um, at that time back then we would make, they would create a list of 10 people every time, every test, there would be 10 people on a list, um, ranked one through 10. And as openings would come, they would bring them over and they got to six on that list. So I was fortunate enough to, uh, make it over there. Right. Um, I think I had just right before I hit four years as an officer, I made it over to our team. So that's awesome. Wow. So is it a situation where people are dropping out or they're just being eliminated? A little bit of both. So every time, every time we test or put on our um, selection process, we have guys that will kind of drop out themselves or they're going to eliminate it or they'll get eliminated because of decision-making or because of um, physical fitness or um, sometimes just the team environment. Um, how they're doing things that goes into decision-making just isn't, isn't working for them. Um, so all those things are, are reasons that you can get, um, kind of kicked out of the process or fail the process. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for your service. That's, uh, it's gotta be a tough job. Yeah, no, thank Thank you. I appreciate you saying that it's, uh, yeah, as of late, it has definitely not been easy. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's never really easy. I would say the work is, is, um, not easy, but, uh, yeah, just with the, the way the country is right now, it's definitely a little more uh, stressful. So how, how often do you guys get utilized? Yeah, of course. You're welcome. How often do you guys get utilized? Um, so I mean, what do you typically do on a day-to-day basis for our team? Yeah, we are, um, gosh, I'm in Arizona. We're one of the biggest cities in the country. Um, so you guys can figure that out. And, um, yeah, we are constant, we are a full-time team and we are constantly busy. Like there, mm-hmm. you are doing something every day, whether that's serving a search warrant, um, working a barricade, um, picking up, a, going to arrest a high violence potential individual. Um, there's, yeah, we're, we're doing work every, every day, something, and um, just a ton of training and stuff on top of that. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to go back to one thing that you had said when you started, when you started talking, you said that your uh, dad passed away at 10. I'm really sorry to hear that. How, yeah. how did that happen? If you don't mind? Oh no, not at all, man. I, um, actually did one of my episodes on man minutes about it. Um, he just had a massive heart attack kind of out of nowhere. It was, um, he smoked, uh, growing up. Um, and he was, uh, he was an older dad. Like he, when I was born, he was early forties. Okay. Um, so they didn't have, um, didn't have me till a little later. Um, but yeah, I just, gosh, I remember it so vividly. I remember one night, um, him going to bed, he had some heartburn, uh, didn't feel well. And then, um, like 
it was just, it was really weird. Cause I remember like I was going in and checking on him cause I just knew something wasn't right. Like I could just feel it. And that sounds kind of weird to say, but I could just, I just knew something was wrong. Like something was causing me to go in to keep looking and checking on him every, every little bit. Um, I remember him taking, um, my Lanta to this day. Like I will not, uh, uh, use my Lanta for whatever reason, nothing against them. I just like, it's, I remember him taking that. That was the last thing he did. Mm -hmm. Um, I went in to check on him one time and just found him, um, on the ground. Yeah. Not breathing. So Jesus. yeah, I got my mom. She started CPR on him. Uh, my brother's calling 911. Um, I'm running outside to meet the fire department and yeah, that was, that was it. He didn't make it. So it was a, a crappy day to say the least right before Christmas yeah. too. So just a couple days before. Oh my God. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, how, how, how is that? Well, who did anybody, not necessarily, you know, I'm sure nobody can actually replace him, but who was your father? Who was your father figure after that? Gosh, man. Um, so I was, I, I would say I was super fortunate in the reality that I had, um, some pretty awesome guys that were in our family that kind of, um, helped out, man. I had a, my uncle Nino was like instrumental in that. Um, they actually end up like was that his brother. Um, no. So that was, um, gosh, my mom's family's huge. Like there's like 15 siblings. Um, so there's, Whoa. yeah. So I call him uncle just because of age. Like that's what he should be. Um, but he's actually like a cousin just cause one of my mom's older sisters was older than her and had him, um, was, had her daughter younger. They got married, so on and so forth. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, man, he was huge. I had another uncle, Jeff, my a couple other uncle, my uncle, Jim, um, one of the blades is actually named after him, the ward, the ward hunter. His last name was ward and he, him and my dad were like huge in teaching me how to hunt. Um, so that, so those guys stepped up a ton, like obviously didn't replace, um, and then my older brother, I have a brother that's a couple years older than me. That was just like, gosh, man, that dude's like rock solid, like was there for me whenever I needed anything. And, um, it's kind of funny. Cause I don't think at the time you don't even think about it right at the time being 10 years old, I'm not even thinking about like, or even 11, 12 as life's going on for me as a kid. Like I never even thought about like a father figure or having someone, um, like that in my life. Um, <laughs> where now I look back and like my kids are getting to be that age and I'm like, gosh, I couldn't imagine. Right. Like you just can't yeah. even like think about it. Um, but yeah, I, I know I had some, yeah, my, my dad, my dad lost his dad when he was about 14 or 15 and okay, you know, my son's eight now right. and it's just like, wow. And I still have my dad, you know, thankfully. And awesome. that's just, I, I couldn't imagine it. So you say something like that and it's like, Oh my God, my heart sinks. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was rough, and I think that's that's one of the things, and that's one of the reasons I actually enjoy talking about it because I don't, you don't deal with it then, like you don't know, you're just sad because your dad's not there. You're like, who's gonna take me fishing? Mm-hmm. Who's gonna come watch my games? Who's gonna um, do this stuff, right? But you don't. I think fortunate enough, fortunate enough for me, um, I was ten, um, so I think like my foundation my foundation had been built as who I was gonna be as a man. I think like just the things that he had taught me and like work ethic and integrity and honesty and all those things had been like already um, molded into me, you know, where if I was much younger, who knows what could have happened. And 
I think um, my mom was just a rock star. Like it was hard on her. I would have never known it, like how hard it was until we were older and were able to talk to her about it. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, super, super difficult times for her to this day. Like she's never, she's never even dated another guy, like never um, remarried, never anything. And she was just like, no, he was, he was my one. Like there's no point in trying cause it's not going to live up to it. I'm just like, wow, oh, that's pretty awesome. So it is. And that's real old school. Yeah. Right. You know, not a lot of people do that. Yeah. No, she was adamant. Like not, not, not even interested. Like it was just, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty admirable in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That's so amazing that your dad was able to like that. He did his job. And, and in your eyes, right. This isn't, this isn't, someone patting themselves on the back and saying, yeah, I, I taught my son all this stuff. You know, this is the the product of what he did saying, yeah, he taught me all this stuff about integrity and how to be a man by the time you were 10 years old. I think that's a huge, really important point because I would question how many people are actually doing that today for their kids, maybe even at the ages of 14 or 15, you know, like how, how much did this guy do by the time you were 10? And that's way more than some people are doing today. So I think that's super awesome. Yeah, I think that's a, because I just, huge. I mean, I, I, I see people walking around that don't have that kind of integrity that are, you know, teenagers, late teenagers. And it's just like, wow, like that, this is, that's what we need more of people to do that early on because you got it. Like he didn't just teach you that in a couple months, right? I'm sure he was doing that for years. Yes. And it stuck with you for you enough for you to remember it at 10 years old. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think, I think it's a huge point, man. I think we don't, I know for me as a dad like that, um, you know, you mold them, you know, they pick up on stuff, but I think until like a couple years in, especially once, once they're able to communicate and they're up and moving around, you know, and they're doing a lot more stuff, you don't truly understand how much, you are influencing them and how much you're teaching them without even trying to teach them. Um, and what they're picking up on, like any little things, man, like they are, they're looking at it like, uh, my little boys, um, nine and just like, gosh, just like little things I'll see him do. And I'm like, gosh, man, like I just did that two minutes ago and he saw me doing it and now he's doing it because he thinks like, that's what, that's what dad's doing. That must be the right thing to do. Right. Like you just, they just mimic uh-huh. you and they see those things. And I think for me, yeah, like he did. And yeah, not to negate what those other guys did for me. Cause like a bunch of my uncles, um, and some other people later growing up, like helped me a ton. And I'm sure they just kind of, um, just reassured those values in me that my dad and mom had already instilled. But I think at 10, like, yeah, we, like I knew, like, I knew what was right. I knew what was wrong. I knew what hard work it was. I knew what accountability was like, cause that's how our house was ran. Like, you, you want to do certain things. Here are the expectations. You don't meet the expectations. You don't, um, um, do those things. Then you're not going to do what you want. Now it wasn't like super hardcore. Like my dad and mom were never mean to us, but it was just like, Hey, like, remember you said you wanted to do these things. So we're trying to make that happen for you, but you got to put forth the effort, right? Like you have to do those things. You want, you want a puppy. Okay. Here, you're going to, you're going to be responsible for it. And it was, and it was held to that. It wasn't just like the first two days and then kind of let go. It was like, these are, these are the things you need to do and, and whatnot. And at the, at the time, I definitely think like I probably had the stricter parents from the outside, like people like just friends were like, ah, oh, man, you're, 
you can't do this or you can't be out over at this friend's house this late or you can't do those things like little growing up back then i'm sure you were the same way like we just ran around the neighborhood like home with the lights off but like it was home when it's dark out but if you weren't home when i was dark out like it was it was a consequence like hey we're giving you the freedom to do these things but you better like respect our rules oh yeah so i had those yeah i grew up in the city i grew up in philly and okay but i had i had strict parents just like that too you know like now you can't you know because they knew stuff that i didn't know that i wound up learning later on like you know all this person's hanging around with them and yes they, you know, they know like, um, no, you're not going to hang around with that person. Yeah, exactly. And especially once the sun goes down or you're not going to that playground once the sun goes down. Cause we know what goes on there, you know? And so it's like, yeah, I mean, I had that too. And people said the same to me, oh, you, you know, your parents don't let you do anything. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you know what though? I, I turned out okay. I feel like, yeah, you know? absolutely. And so, I wouldn't change it for the world now. Right. Like at the time. No, I wouldn't. And then you look back in hindsight and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing for my kids because I know. And now I mean, damn, I don't, I don't remember my mom and dad just standing outside and watching us run around. But every time my son's outside, even at eight years old, we're kind of, you know, we're keeping an eye on them. And I don't know, you just hear about all this stuff. And maybe you even hear more because of the, uh, the profession that you're in. But, you know, I don't remember ever hearing about trafficking when I was, you know, was younger or a teenager or even my twenties. Oh, yeah. And then, and then it's like a, it's like a thing now. And maybe it's more widely known because of social media. I, I always hear that argument that it's just, you know, it's always been around and, and that could be the case. But I mean, when you start to hear about their different cases in your area and we live in a, you know, relatively nice area, I'm like, damn, yeah, you know, like you could, you could have someone staking out your neighborhood and then making a phone call and then some van picks some people up while they're playing outside. It's yeah, like it's scary, right? Yeah, man. I mean, are you hearing about this kind of stuff? I mean, is that, yeah, like that's, I think just being in law enforcement, like we've known that's going on for a long time, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Like my kids aren't like, Hey, no, you're not going to play out front. Like we can't go out right now or give me five minutes and I'll be out there with you. But yeah, even like to walk to the mailbox, like we have cluster mailboxes out here, right. Where like the whole blocks mailboxes is, is on, is that one little station and like, around the block yeah we have the same yeah like, we no have you're not walking over there by yourself not happening like, i know yeah no. and it's it's sad but it's just the reality of it right um yeah we'll give my son a walkie-talkie and then we'll so if we do do that mm -hmm. we'll give my son a walkie-talkie and we'll just have him like we'll be checking in with him he'll be checking oh, cool. in with us and they're not like the like the rinky dinky ones like we spent 40 dollars at home depot to get like the good motorola oh, ones, awesome. you know and so it's like a mile range no, that's a great idea and uh yeah i mean it's just we only have one one child you know so it's just he's by himself you know if you have two then they can kind of look out yep. for each other and uh it's a little bit better so but for him it's like you know but yeah we try to go out as much as we can with him because we're pretty active right on um and then we got i got ring cameras all around the house too so i got the ring spotlights and got every every angle covered awesome. <laughs> so cool. i call it the eye in the sky because it's yeah. like so high up in the and i got the whole cul-de-sac and then the whole block covered oh, right on. <laughs> with the good yeah good man yeah so i think that's the that's the difference just between like probably when we grow up and and now and i think just figuring those things out and um and learning and and just making your kids aware and teaching and i think just to kind of go back like that's um one of the biggest things about being a dad is just that influence you have, right? Like that, um, like me and my wife always talk about it. Like the, the relationship that we have is showing them how they should be treated in a relationship. 
the, how I treat her is showing him how he should treat a woman. Um, how I treat her is showing my daughter how she should be treated. Um, uh-huh. and I think a lot of that's like instilled pretty, pretty young, man. People, you, you see that pretty early. And, um, I think sometimes we forget that, that so much of that is, is, is implanted or learned. So, so young. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I, I know, I know that you're a big, I know that you're a big proponent of being a protector. Yes. And I have that same trait. I have a younger sister and I just always remember always sticking up for her, always wanting to protect her and my family too. I mean, I have this vivid memory that I think I've mentioned before on, on the podcast at some point is that, you know, I'm five years old playing at the playground. My mom brought me and some of my friends up and I'm playing on the monkey bars, going on the slide, all this stuff. And then I noticed that she's walking by the swings and that's, I, I hate swings to this day. And I just remember seeing these older kids, you know, swinging like super high, you know, in this public playground yeah. in Philly. And I'm really, and, and it's probably like, you know, a, a faulty depth perception, right? I mean, she was probably well away, you know, well far enough away from them where she wasn't going to get hit. But from where I was standing and my vantage point, I was like, yeah, that that's going to be bad news. And I remember this at five years old yeah. and I had like this, really really big knot in the pit of my stomach and i was so worried that my mom was going to get hurt and i just wanted to go over and protect her and like get her away from those swings so i just that's just something that's always been ingrained in me and i know that it sounds like you're you're like that too um after some of the podcasts i've listened to and some of the things that you said and so i just want i was just curious maybe you can share with um the audience what do you what does being a protector mean to you Gosh, man, so many things I would say. And yeah, I, I am completely um, in agreement with that. I think not to get like too soapboxy here, but I think just like the times we're in, like people are, are worried about saying that because like uh, gender roles, you know, like a woman can be a protector too. And like, absolutely, you should be right. Like everyone should be protecting their family. Yeah. Like I mean, not... that's where the don't mess with mama. Right? Comes yeah. from, right? like, ma- ma- mama yeah. bear. I mean, you'll get you'll get swatted and they'll go after yeah. you. Absolutely. Um, but I, yeah, I think you have to, like, I think that is something that we need more of. We need more of um, guys fulfilling that role. And I don't think anyone doesn't want to fulfill that role. Right. Like, I don't think anyone's like, Nope, I don't want to protect my family. I think a lot of guys just don't know how. And to me, that just mm-hmm. means um, for me, the biggest, the, the biggest thing about being a protector is knowing and teaching like avoidance, right? Like, and that's, I I get, um, some mixed reviews on that because some people are like, Oh, I'm not going to avoid confrontation. Well, like you don't get to choose how the confrontation goes. So like the best, the best plan to, to win that is to not get involved in it. Right. So Mm -hmm. I talk about that with my wife. I talk about that with kids. Um, little, little known thing is like, I do, I do seminars and stuff on the side here in Arizona about like those specific things. Like, um, and it's called, you don't know what you don't know. Like you don't know what to look for as far as to protect yourself. You don't know how to react in these situations. Cause you don't even know the questions to ask sometimes. Right. But teaching people to be a protector, to look for things, to look after their family, to teach their family, to make sure that their family and their children and their wives can be safe if they're not there. I think that's the, the key component of being a protector. Like you have a CCW and you carry a pistol, like, cool, man. But that's, that's so little of it for me. Um, 
that there's just so much more to that word and to that term than I think some people really think about. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I think the best thing to put that category or to put what you just said into a category would be situational awareness. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because if you can, if you can sense the threat or see the threat coming and you can remove yourself from it and not have to, you know, cause you know, with the people that probably I would, I would guess that the people that are fighting you on, well, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to do this. They, that's just their ego. Yeah. hundred percent, man. In most I cases. So. Right. Because here's the thing. If you know how to handle yourself, like you said, you know, you carry, you know, you have CCW. Great. You have, you have a gun. Do you know how to use yes. it? Do you know how to deploy it effectively? Do you know when to deploy it? Um, and, if, and then, and then if you didn't have it for some reason, you know, do, do you still know how to handle yourself? You know, have you done some kind of, you know, martial arts at some point, you know, like my son and I, before the virus, we, we were doing jujitsu awesome. for almost two years. And so it kind of sucks that we can't do that right now, but you know, it is what it is. So, um, but when you have that sense and you're like, okay, I'm confident in my ability, then you don't feel like you need to stroke that part of your ego and be like, oh, well, I'm going to do this because I want to do it. You know, because then if you think about the consequences and, and maybe you can chime in on this as a SWAT officer is that when someone does pull out their pistol and use it, or someone does get into a fight or an altercation and then the police show up, you got to deal with a whole bunch of stuff that you probably don't want to deal with right at the end of the yeah. day, you know? And so to just have like, you know, your, your three minutes or your five minutes in the street, <laughs> it might not actually even be worth it. And you might be spending, you might be spending a night in the jail cell. I mean, what's your opinion on that? Yeah. I think like, like for me, it's very simple. Like if you have to do it, do what you need to do. If you don't absolutely have to, then don't like, it should never be a, um, and this is getting into law enforcement too, right? Like for me, it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a have to, it's a not, it's not a can, right? Like you need to know your local use of deadly force laws for your state and how they apply. Um, but I think some people don't quite understand like consequences, like you said, and, and I'm not saying there's guys out there that are just doing things because they can. I'm just saying like that should be your mindset. Like I'm only I'm only pulling this pistol out and using it because I absolutely have to because I don't have any right. other options. Right. Because I would I would much rather avoid that confrontation. I'd much rather get out of there with my wife and kids and have and have nothing happen and have a couple of people that saw me be like, oh, that guy got punked out or that guy was uh, was was weak. Like, that's cool. Like, you can think whatever. But say I choose not to and now and now we're in a physical fight right and i don't know he has a weapon now a weapon comes out and now i'm playing catch up and i have a weapon but now my family's exposed right like so like the, those are the things i always go back to like is it worth it is it worth is the risk versus the reward and what is the goal of the action for me in in protection situations right in protector scenarios the goal is to keep my family safe and then my safety next Mm -hmm. Um, so what accomplishes that the best? And a lot of time that is just not putting yourself in that situation, right? Like I always use the example yeah. of like, a like, a someone breaking into your house in the middle of the night, right? Like, what is, what are you going to do? Like, what's your house floor? What's your floor plan? Like, how are you going to go about this? Are you going to go search out this bad guy or have you talked to your kids and your spouse or, 
whatever about the plan and like, Hey, we are, we are, you hear the alarm go off in the middle of the night. You're, you're immediately to go here and we are getting out the back door and we're just getting out. Like, I'm not going to go confront someone. I'm not going to search it for someone. I'm not doing that. Right. Cause my goal is to make sure they are safe and I can do that if I'm with them and get them out. Now, maybe as I'm going to find them, or maybe as I'm going to that meetup point, I confront bad guy and do what I have to do, but that's not the goal, right? The goal isn't to get in the confrontation. The goal is to get them to safety. And I've, right. I've gotten into definitely lots of discussions that vary on that point just because like, well, I'm not letting someone just roam around my house. Well, like, so, so what if you go search for him because you're not just getting your wife and kids out of the house and you get in a confrontation and they get hurt and, and you get hurt and now there's no one there to protect them, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the, that's the outcome. That's the choice by doing things yeah. a certain way. So for me, it's just a mindset thing as far as like, what is the goal of the situation, right? You're walking out of the, you're walking out of the restaurant at night because you and your family just had dinner and you see a shady individual by your car. Like, do you go confront that dude or do you just hang back and watch, right? For me, I'm going to hang back and watch and see what's going on. I'm not going to walk over there, put myself in a bad spot, put my family in a bad spot and then have to deal with something when I can just wait and see what happens. Like, right. Like just risk versus reward and always trying to remember what protector means, right? Protector doesn't mean aggressor. Protector means protector. Like, and I think that's one thing I always try to try to hammer home. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I've, I've talked to and listened to people, um, you know, and you got, you know, talking about the military earlier, you know, there's many Navy, you know, Navy SEALs, ex Navy SEALs. Uh, one I've had on the podcast, Dom, Dom Rosso mm -hmm. talks about situational awareness all the time, talks about deescalating the situation. Um, Clint Emerson, he's a guy that's a uh, you know, retired Navy SEAL. He talks about basically getting away and you, you know, improvise weapons using a pen and that kind of stuff if you needed to, you know, for like a force multiplier. And then you have, you know, someone even like uh, Jocko Willink, who's really well known out there in the social media world. And he's a badass dude, you know, trains black belt in jujitsu, getting it after, getting after it every day. And, um, you know, he's saying like, Hey, if, if you can avoid the situation, go, you know, walk away. Or don't even put yourself in that situation. You know, if you get on a bus and there's like a ton of like rowdy people or some like uh, gangbangers, get, off, get the off the bus, get yep. a different one. You know, like don't even, don't even try to engage. It's not worth no, it. No, a hundred percent, man. It's not. And I think that's, it's, so. it's always risk versus reward. Like what is the reward if I go do this? What's the risk right. if I go do this, man? And that risk is, that risk is huge. And I think you get that, um, you get that kind of like false um, false mindset, like that false alpha, I call it like a false alpha mentality from, from sometimes dudes that have never done it. Right. It's from dudes that like, Hey man, I'm like, you've never really pointed a gun at a person. You've never had to take someone's life. Like, and not that that's a, that's not, that's not a medal by any means. Right. But it's, it's, it's not as cool as you think it is. Like, it's not as like <laughs> sexy, whatever this vision you have in your head is not that awesome. Like that's a real thing. Like that's a real human that you have to deal with. There's, there's real consequences to those actions, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I think some people think they want that and like, you don't, you don't want that. I promise you don't want that. Like, right. Um, yeah. This isn't the movie. No, bad right. Boys. Like it's not, no, dude, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not, but I think it's. Or SWAT. Yeah, or SWAT, right? <laughs> now, when you got to go to that place, you better be damn good at what you do, right? And you better know how to handle yourself and be able to um, to use the tools at your disposal 
And, and, and then you need to know when to, to flip that switch to like, Hey, now I'm the aggressor. Like, like I'm winning. Right. But, um, yeah, like avoidance and situational awareness is key. Like so many things, like one, like one of the things that always baffles my mind is like, you remember the, um, the shooting in the movie theater in Aurora, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like that yeah. guy came into that theater left out an emergency exit, I think up by the front of the theater, like by down by the screens, you know, they have the doors that, that lead out, propped that door open with a water bottle and returned minutes later after he went and got all his stuff and not one person. And this is not to to say they were wrong, not to say they did bad, but not one person thought to themselves like, that's weird. Why would someone prop that open? Right? Like one person gets up, moves that water bottle, that dude's out that situation is completely different. Right. Mm-hmm. And I get, I get that talk to a lot about like, well, like movie theater, what happens in a movie theater, man? Like, that's why I carry my gun there. Well, like, dude, you're going to have a hundred people running around like crazy. Like I'm not, I'm not taking a shot in there and I can shoot pretty damn well. <laughs> and it's dark. Yeah. And, and it's, it's dark. dark. <laughs> and you, like, it, it's not, it's not that easy. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to take my pistol out of my awesome appendix inside the weight pen holster, find my red dot and press one smooth shot. Like, if you, if you can do that with people running all over, then you should be doing my job. Like, um, it's, it's not as mm-hmm. easy as these scenarios you play out in your head. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I agree. So how does this transfer over to what we can do as fathers to teach our kids? So what are some, like, like, you know, obviously the situational awareness piece, right. You know, telling them to not have their heads down, not to be looking at their phones. If they have yeah. phones, I don't know if you, any of your kids old enough to have a phone yet. Uh, one of them's getting there, but we're, we're holding off as long as we can. <laughs> There's a girl. Girl, girl that wants it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, not walking around with your head down, right. Paying attention to what's going on around you. But then what about, what kind of like training do your kids get? Do they know any kind of, um, martial arts or combative type stuff to um so we go over a little bit like we've we haven't done any formal stuff it's funny like actually right same right prior to covid we were um signing up at a bjj gym that's um not too far from our our house and we were going to start doing that but obviously Mm -hmm. that all happened and that got kind of um put to the side but like man i'll find i'll find youtube videos and we'll go over stuff right like just some simple things like simple control things like a guard or, or just how to control or how to get separation and get out of there. Like I don't, um, like go into a ton of it for me. It's more like the actual situational seeing, thinking like, Hey, this guy comes up to you and like tries to start picking a fight with you. What are you going to do? You know, like, are you going to, are you going to act like you're all awesome? The badass? Or are you going to like just separate yourself and get away? Because that's my biggest fear. Like, it's not like, like when I was growing up, we get in a fist fight, right? Like, and it's just a fight and I'm sure it's the same with you, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what it was. But now it's like that fist fight. And the next thing you know, someone's buddy's pulling on a knife and stabbing you. Like it's not a fight anymore. Like it's like, there's big consequences. So yeah. we talk a ton about the situational awareness just to, to pay attention to that. And then dude, I'm a huge proponent, especially for us dads to just talk about their actual intuition and not like ignoring that stuff. Like, Hey man, like you walk into somewhere or you see something or you're, 
you're with your friends and you're walking down the street and you see a car drive by and it makes you feel weird. Like the guy looks at you and you feel odd about that. Like pay attention to those feelings, pay attention to those thoughts because in my opinion, like we as humans, as animals have developed these senses that we now try to ignore, um, as opposed to embrace them and be like, Hey man, that's, that's, that's a caveman knowing there's a saber tooth tiger around the corner, not being able to see it. Like that's, what's happening to you right now, but you're trying to suppress it and you're trying to ignore it. So we, I, and my wife both harp on that a ton. Just, the pay attention to your instincts. Follow your instincts. instincts, Like, yeah, know that stuff. Why do you think that is that we suppress those things? Uh, dude, honestly, I think anymore because it's like people, people are so afraid of being judgmental. Like, oh, that guy was walking across the street and he looked a little shady and I feel bad, but I don't want to cross the, to the other side of the street because someone's going to think I don't, I don't like that person. Like, I think, I think we're, we've mm-hmm. gone so far that way that like everyone is so afraid to offend someone that they, they don't even want to think about it. Right. Because like what, what, what makes them look shady? Then you get into that question and then then it's just a, a rabbit hole that nobody wants to go down anymore, you know? Right. But, it, but it's, yeah, but it's absolutely. sometimes true. Right. Like, and it's, yeah. I mean, I feel like there's a reason, I mean, as long as you're not just some, uh, person who's just randomly profiling people based on, you know, external factors, let's say, yeah. you know, race, let's take that unless you're just you know, some racist walking around and then you're just like, yeah, that, that person's no good because they're, you know, X, Y, Z color or they're from this culture or whatever. Um, you know, that's not good. But if you have like a legitimate, like you're saying, red flags going off or you get that feeling in your stomach, that's probably a little bit different, you know, given the, given the circumstances that we're talking. A hundred percent, right? There should be some emotion attached to it, right? It's not just a visual cue. It's a, it's a, how does it make you feel? And if it's, if it's different, if you noticeably feel different because of something happening, like pay attention to that. And I think, I think a lot of that is just, um, Gosh, honestly, I, th- I think a lot of it has to do with like our phones and just technology. Like we're so into it and we're so just surrounded by it constantly, but that I think it kind of turns some of that stuff off, right? I think just over time mm-hmm. and time and time, like it turns some of those, maybe um, your sixth sense kind of some of those perceptions off and, and you're not like as keen to those, right? Just like if you go, you go spend a couple nights out in the forest, right? And your, your vision adapts, like some of your other senses adapt and then they change over time to accommodate those situations and the environment you're in. Like, I think it's the same for us. So we're constantly just all the time. And it's just those other, those other methods of, of perception are now just super low. Yeah. So did your kids get the emergency shank to they walk do. around with? Yeah, they both have. They both carry blades. <laughs> yeah, awesome. um, no, um, like they we we talk about like improvised things. Like, gosh, I we talk about that stuff all the time. Just like, hey, what what can you do? But I think that's that's what's hard with kids is like for them, it's hard and it's easy because I think they are their perception. Like they know, like kids don't want to hurt anybody, right? Like kids are very good genuine like we we instill bad stuff in them if anything um mm-hmm. but they 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 get to talk to about like pens or pencils or like like just simple things like hey man like someone is is trying to grab you and throw you in a car like 
eyes, like take your fingers and poke them in the eyes as hard as you can. Like you're trying to pop an eyeball out, right? Like bite them, bite them as hard as you can. Like, like those sorts of things that I think sometimes we don't think about in fighting, but like, that's not a fight to me. Right. Um, so I think some of that stuff, uh, we talk a lot about, but it, being completely honest, like I haven't, I haven't got a ton into, um, physical self-defense yet stuff with them. Like, uh, so much of it is just situational awareness for, for them and just to, to be around and see and notice things and, um, notice where they are, notice how things are changing, notice like just, just paying attention to things, which I think too is like yeah. a, a double-edged sword, right? I think too, cause you gotta be, you have to be aware of it enough, but you don't want to make them so anxious that they're like overly anxious about everything. Like they think everything's wrong. I think that's the. Right. And I think that's actually one of the other things that, you know, might, might deter people from that too, is like, they, they think they're being yes. paranoid or, you know, you know, some people listen and hopefully not, but if they're th- like, wow, this guy's already telling them about situational awareness and poking eyes out. It's like, no, that that's what you need to do. And you have to let them know that it's like, Hey, well, I mean, you're already talking to them, right? You're already telling them, trust your instincts. You're not, it doesn't sound like you're creating these paranoid little individuals that are walking around, you know, super nervous and uh, yeah, hopped no. up all the time, you know, on like adrenaline. And so, I mean, I just think some people look at us like, cause I, I have a CCW and I carry a blade on yeah. me all the time and people are like, you know what, why do you have all that stuff? And it's really all, you know, I've, I don't get that question all the time cause most people don't even know yeah. I have it and it's something that's just friends or whatever. And, um, I'm like, dude, cause you know, it's like wearing your seatbelt in the car. Like you don't know when anything's ever going to happen. I don't have the luxury of picking those days. So, you know, I'm just, it's not a burden. It's not a pain in the ass. I'll just, I'm just going to do it just in case. Absolutely. You know, and if I ever have to use it and I needed it and it worked, then I'll feel a lot better. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's, that's a huge way to look at it. Right. Like we always talk about like low frequency, high risk things and then high frequency, low risk things. And I think a lot of times people just think like, oh, that the chances of that happening to me are so low, but the risk is so, so high. Like something happening to my wife or kids is like the worst thing I can ever imagine. So I will spend time mm-hmm. and effort to try to help them and educate them on how to deal with that stuff versus the the high frequency, low risk stuff. Like they're going to figure that out because they have to in life because it's happening constantly. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that's the, that's always the objection to it. Like, I don't want to make my kids paranoid. I don't want to make them nervous. And I think that's awesome. Like you need, you need to be aware of that. Like if you're teaching your kids um, about situational awareness, about protection, about what to do, like it can't be, it can't be like a, a drill, a drill session. Like every single day I'm telling them about this specific scenario or this could happen or this can happen. Cause that's, that's created creating in my mind, like a worldview of everything being very, very bad. And like, Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't leave my house cause I'm going to get kidnapped. Right. Like that's, that's not what you want, right. but you want them to know like the, they're, they're at the park with their friends and the guy comes up and is asking them a bunch of questions and they don't know them. You want them to know that that's not normal. Right. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. not a normal thing. Like I'm not saying discussion's not normal, but a, a whatever, man, like just put the perfect scenario together. The guy in the big, the big white van with no windows parks at the park and comes up and starts talking to your kids and asking <laughs> if they want to see a puppy. Like they, they should have heard that before and know that that's not okay. 
right? Right. So I think we have. I like the puppy one because I think a lot of people just use yeah. candy stuff. Yeah, do puppy candy. Like, hey, you want some candy? Video it's like games. Yeah, anything. Anything that would... nowadays, right? Like, yeah, it'll it'll Absolutely. it'll get those kids in their arm. Like, okay, like, and and that's good to to some extent because they don't think the world is bad. They don't think the world's a scary place. And and in all reality, like it's it's not. Like we live in a pretty, I think, a pretty safe, awesome place. But you need to educate and teach kids about those things because as as we've seen with the last few months it can it can explode at any time and and they need to have some idea of what's going on definitely so what led you to these um what led you to making blades and knives gosh man so um i've always kind of been into making stuff so in like college and and a little a little bit after college um I used to weld and make like kind of some roll cages and bumpers and stuff for trucks, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I've always been into knives. Like even when I was little, like I loved knives growing up and I had, gosh, I'm trying to even think of the brand when I was like, I was like a new cop and I wanted this knife and it was like so expensive. I'm like, I can't freaking afford that. Like I'm a policeman. Like I can't spend that much money on a knife. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can make one of these. So I got some files and uh, just a hacksaw and, made one and um slowly got better and better and then a couple people wanted one so then i just started making them and giving them away and then yeah just a hacksaw man like it was not not time efficient not even a grinder no not my first couple no literally like a a metal blade on a on a hacksaw and would draw an outline on the on the steel cut it and then um clean it up on a with some sandpaper and like uh, I did have an angle grinder. I did use that. Um, and then start filing away. And then it just kind of grew and some people wanted one. Some guy wanted to buy one. And I was like, you want to buy one? Like, give me money for one of these. It's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's see where we can take this. So it's grown since. Nice. And I would say the last like three or four years really has, has gone into like the, the business side of things as I, it's an actual, like legit business now. It's not just my hobby in the garage having fun. Right. And how do you make them now? So now my process, so I like two main processes in knife making, right? Stock removal and forging. Stock removal is exactly that. You're removing stock from around the knife. So for me, I have a, a lot of stuff I still do by hand. I'll cut out stuff myself, but like my main models, like the CCW blade or emergency shank or like the um, some of the Tonto ringers, those are cut out by a water jet machine right so that's just water with sand at super high pressures that can actually cut the metal and it's in a cad file and i'll take a big sheet of metal to a place and they'll cut me out the the actual profiles of the blade and then i'll get them and i'll clean them up and i'll i'll grind everything i'll do all the handles um put everything together in those aspects and go that route so nice yeah it's been it's been super cool and it's been uh really good lately and yeah it's, it's cool to grow and um and see things change and th- see things move and keep going. What's the material? Some of the, the handles. Um, there's gosh, man, all, all sorts of different handles. Mostly I use G10, which is like a glass composite material that's um, yeah. like formed together with a, uh, a resin at like super high pressure. I use a lot of that, but then I have all sorts of different stuff, man. I got different um, like hardwoods. Macarta um, is another kind of material that I use a lot. And um that's what my handle is. is it? On it. I have the, um, yeah, I have the Dynamis blade. Um, 
from Dynamis Alliance, and uh, yeah, it's got a micarta oh, cool. handle on it. Yeah, he. Uh, um, yeah, I think I think Winkler makes his stuff, and they do they do some really nice stuff. Yeah, it's Winkler's. Yeah, and Winkler's is an awesome yeah. material, man. Like super durable. If it gets wet, it's still got some grip to it. Um, it's it's really nice. So, but it's cool to see, as you know, like I'm sure as you've seen with your your podcast grow and and business grow, like it's. I was not a business guy. Like I did not know anything about business, but being able to like to to change that and and learn and like it's 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 super exciting for me i'm not sure your thoughts on it but it's super neat to see those things changing and learn different things about a business and learn how to run it and learn how to grow it and and go go that route absolutely yeah right I'm still learning no kidding <laughs> but yeah it's non-stop man. yeah it, yeah that's that's right um so that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you got some really cool bl blades on here. And like I said, I, I, I like the CCW blade and I just think the emergency shank, how, how long is um, that? So thing? you're looking at the regular emergency shank, just the, the one without the blade on it. Right. Or is this, is, uh, yeah. So earlier, it's yeah. like five and a half inches, man. It's pretty short. Um, but that's, what's cool. Like it can just go oh, okay. in a pocket. Um, like I make a deep carry sheath. Mm -hmm. So it just maybe like an inch of that sits above the, your pocket. Um, so you can just grab that little tail and you have a little something and it's, uh, yeah, it was like, gosh, that's one of like the second or third models I ever made was that little shank. Cause a bunch of guys at work had just wanted a little something that they could throw on a vest or throw in some gym shorts and just have with them. And I was like, ah, cool. Mm -hmm. This is easy. We'll make a little shank out of it. What about some of these that I'm seeing around the internet is like, uh, they're making like non-metallic ones so you can get. I guess maybe on planes with them or something like that, or is it just like metal detect get through metal detectors. Yeah, I don't so know I think that's what's going the... on here. I don't have anything like that, but I'm like, yeah. Wow, what is what's, that the that need? So that's the um, there's some guys that make some pretty cool stuff, but I think um, I think a lot of it's super trendy. Like a lot of it, like you hear, like people hear the word low vis, and everything's got to be like, oh, it's super cool. It's low vis. So, so I make a a knife out of G10, <laughs> and it's low vis, and everyone thinks they're like a CIA operative now, right? <laughs> yeah it's just yeah right GC4. but there's some good like it's um yeah most of them are just metal detectors right like you can you can get um some of those materials um that that are are non-metallic that aren't supposed to set off metal detectors um but there's also guys using some materials that say they're they're good for metal detectors but then they still set them off so i think that's your you're, you better be testing that stuff on your own if you're choosing to kind of take that and then you better have a good explanation of why you have it um, when you get there, like, yeah, I'm not, absolutely. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in that realm where I need something that's non-metallic that I'm trying to sneak in somewhere. Um, so yeah, I think I know a couple makers, um, specifically that have made like specific tools for specific groups that need that capability. Um, but I think a lot of it is just like, it sounds cool. People think it's cool, Yeah, but they don't they like you yes. can't put an edge on That's edge on them right like it's not it's going to be kind of a, a one use thing um from some of oh, them is it? So I've yeah never even, I've never yeah some of them are pretty like good that. like some of them just depends and that that's what's huge like you'll see how it's ground like is it does it have an actual like did they try to put an edge on it is it just a point is it just a puncture tool um like you're not going to cut anybody really with it um just because you get like that kind of material g10 or something that thin um, that's when those fibers kind of start showing and then you kind of degrade some of the integrity of that material sometimes. So a lot of them are just like pointed ends that are sharpened to a point that's like a pick style. 
Um, and those are actually pretty durable, man. Those can actually do some pretty, pretty gnarly damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So what's a, um, what's a typical day look like for you then with, with your schedule? I mean, you're, you're making blades, you're a SWAT officer, you're a dad. What, what are some, you know, what's a typical day for you and what are some things that you do to, you know, keep yourself sharp yeah. and shape? Um, Gosh, man. So, uh, physical fitness is really big for me. Well, um, has not been awesome lately cause I had a little back surgery a couple months ago. So that's putting the, the damper on some things for sure. But, um, I think there? just, I've heard it at work, uh, multiple times, man. And it's just, um, once it's kind of been injured, I think you're just prone to getting re-injured. Um, I fell in a, I fell in a hole at work serving a search warrant with all my gear on and fell like up to my waist and landed pretty funky. That was kind of like the first time I heard it, um, and messed some discs up a little bit. And that was probably what, that was like five or six years ago. And then I think just five or six years of wearing all that kit all the time, always having a gun belt on, um, doing those things. And then I heard it again about a year ago, just getting, getting out of one of our armored cars, um, moving up on a house pretty quick for something we were dealing with and just felt a little, felt a little pop, felt a little twinge, um, and knew it was, knew it was not good. So been dealing with that, mm-hmm. but normally, um, man, like, so I'm, I'm huge on like journaling. Um, for me, my brain, I think probably like a lot of guys just doesn't stop. It is, it's always moving. It's always going. There's always things I'm thinking about that I need to get done or that I should have done or that I didn't do. And for me, um, starting my day off with that, just, um, just getting some thoughts out on paper, um, some thoughts about like how the day maybe yesterday was, how today is going to be, maybe some things I need to do. Um, and also just kind of how I'm feeling helps me. I know that kind of sounds a little like woo woo, but, um, it's been a huge, huge help for me. I'm a huge proponent of it. Um, just to take, uh, always take a few minutes in the morning to, to kind of set your day up and, and realize what needs to be done, realize how you're feeling. Um, like are you just wake up and you're always already kind of like a little crabby, like try to fix that, you know, like understand why. Um, so big mm-hmm. on that, um, some type of fitness, um, um, some type of like visualization and maybe that's prayer for you. Maybe that's an actual, like actual visualization, exercise, meditation, whatever that is, just some type of, of way to kind of, um, see the day, how you want to see it. If that makes sense. And this is not yeah, something totally, I've always man. been into. I, I, I don't think any of that's foo-foo. I think it's, I think these are all proven things that, that a lot of, a lot of people right, smarter exactly, than me have talked man. about, <laughs> you know, for years and years. And so to discredit that, that's I think silly, is uh, right? yeah. foolish. So, so that's my, my day. Like yeah. my, my day starts, I get up, um, like a couple sets of pushups right away. Like that just kind of gets my blood flowing, um, gets me going. And then I go right into my journal. Um, so my journal has like a, I write a list on it every day. That's like three, three or four things, um, checklist things that I'm going to do. Like, so for me, it's, did I do my pushups? Um, did I pray? Did I do a visualization? Um, on just kind of where I want, then I will journal about just like, Hey, how I'm feeling, what I want to do today, what I want the day to be like, what was I dealing with yesterday? Was I feeling crappy because I didn't do this because maybe I snapped at the kid when one of the kids, but when they were just asking me a question, it's been bugging me. Um, maybe I didn't 
do one of those things, but just getting that out on paper. And then also just like two or three things that are like non-negotiables negotiables for the day. Hey, I need to get these handles on this knife. I need to uh, make sure I throw the football with my son for 15 minutes and I need to um, um, whatever, uh, record this podcast or uh, reach out to this buddy to check in on him for, for whatever reason, like these couple of little things, like not a ton, like not a huge list. I think that's where we kind of set ourselves up for failures. When we make a list of 10, 12 things, then you don't get to them. And then you feel bad about yourself because you didn't get to them. Um, but yeah, just those, mm-hmm. that kind of steps, man, and, and having those to get done and then set me up in the right direction. So I'm moving forward and, and being consistent with that. Yeah. What about nice. you? Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, well, we just got a puppy on Friday. Yeah. So this is a nice adjustment. I'm up at like four <laughs> or five in the morning now. Um, and uh, I usually I usually like to eat a little something some days, depending on how I'm feeling. I'll usually eat something first, and then I'll get my, my training in. And then, uh, you know, my, my son's doing school from home. So I, I'm the cook in the family. A lot of times my wife's working from home. So I try to help her out as much as I can. Cause she's got not a high stress job, but I mean, she's, yeah. she's got a lot on her plate. So, you know, try to help her with, uh, help her with her stuff, you know, get, get her food ready, get my son set up, taking the dog out. That's a big, big thing now. Um, but before it was just getting my son ready, you know, I'll do my training. I'll get my, get my, uh, lunch in usually right after that. And then I'm doing stuff on the computer until my son's done. And then we'll, we'll play for a little while. You know, he's done at three o'clock. We'll play for a little while. And then I'm coming in and starting dinner and, um, you know, any, any more social media stuff or, you know, client, I mean, clients, I have sprinkled clients sprinkled throughout the day. Sometimes I'm running out okay. to go see a client in person because I finally started seeing people in person again. Sometimes it's just, Okay. you know, over the phone. Cause I have clients from that's really awesome. all around the country. And so we'll just, uh, yeah. Right on. So. I think that's, that's, that's one that's like, just to go back to like what you had talked about too. I think that's one thing that's super cool is like the, is how much your kids pick up on just like those little, those little things, right? Like your kid seeing you working out, like is going to make your kid want to work out because that's what dad's doing. And Mm-hmm. Well, he asked for a pull-up bar right for on. his uh, eighth birthday. So we have one in his doorway and he does, you know, I'll help him get to the top and he'll do negatives and he'll just hold at the top for as long as he can. And, um, we live in a community that has a little fitness trail. So there's monkey bars on there. So, you know, he's, he's yeah, gotten really good at the monkey cool. bars over the, over the years. I mean, he, I had to push him though, because, you know, he would do three and he's like, and he dropped down. I was like, dad, you see him? I was like, yeah. I was like, but that looked easy. He's like, yeah, it was kind of easy. I'm yeah. like, well, do more. I don't know. My hands are hurting. Yeah. I was like, do more. So he'll get to like, you know, he'll do one more. He, he, this was maybe when he was, I don't know, five, probably five. And uh, maybe five and a half, six, I don't know, something like that. And he did like one more. I'm like, nah, yeah, right. that, that wasn't enough. <laughs> and, we're at a play, and we're at a playground with a ton of other people. I was like, if you can get all the way to the end, and there was 12 bars. I said, if you can get all the way to the end. We'll go to Target and I'll pick yeah. and we'll get like a little toy for you. He's like, Really? And I'm like, Yep. He's like, Okay. So he gets like seven and then he jumps down and goes back and he's like ready, shaking yeah. his hands off, rubbing them in the he actually even picked he even like picked up mulch because he says his hand he's I he said, uh, my hands are slippery. 
I was like, well, dry, dry him off when your pants are He picks up hand. the mulch and, like, <laughs> uses it, like, chalk almost and, like, rubs it in hand. And he got all the way to 12 after maybe, like, the third or fourth attempt. And he was so proud of himself. I was like, see, you can do it, you know. But he just needed yeah. that little bit of push and encouragement. And I usually don't bribe him with uh, toys or anything like that. But he, no. he seemed like hey, he needed a little coaxing. I think that's so. awesome. We, we, all, we all take some bribes every now and then, man. Like, I've been known to, hey, do that and – you get a beer like okay i'll do that for a beer absolutely man like it's no different it's no different with kids it's just yeah right yeah affirmation right like and i think i think that's huge because i know like you got to push them a little bit because they they have to realize that that they're capable of more right like that's mm-hmm. and the, the earlier absolutely. they figure that yeah. out the better and i tell and i and i try to teach them the lesson afterwards so they can make that connection right because mm-hmm. i feel like there is that lesson there but you have to you have to make sure that they learned the lesson yeah. by making the connection. Because if they're just like, "Oh, okay, I did that and I got a toy," it's like, "No, you worked hard and you committed to it, yep. and that's why you yep. got the toy." Exactly. Right? Not just like, "Oh, I, I just did this and I got a toy." It's like, "No, but but that took hard work, and then you didn't give up. You kept pushing through and like just planting those seeds and letting them hear that over and over again." So now, you know, years later, when I'm like, "Yep, dude, you can do this." You know, like you got to work hard. And so, you know, now it's beating his time on the pull-up bar. So he started off at like, you know, 15 seconds. So like, no, you know, like I'm just jumping off. And then he's like 20 yeah. seconds. And then he wants to beat his time. And then he remembers his time. He's like, dad, I got 24 seconds yesterday. And today I got 32. You know, I mean, of course yeah. I'm there. I'm, I'm timing it. And I told him what he got, but he was, he remembered his time from the day before. And he's like, wow, that's it's awesome. Cool to see him so, and then they start holding themselves accountable. And that's like, and that's how it starts, man. Like that's. I think mm-hmm. it's it's so pivotal for dads to do that kind of stuff to 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 see and let them realize and figure that stuff out, man. It's huge. So, yeah. So and then and then I just have like you know I'm I'm pretty handy, so I'll just have odd and end things sprinkled throughout the house. So like throughout this whole virus, I tore apart the bathroom. Down. I mean, we live in a brand new house, but I tore apart the bathroom downstairs and put tile on the one wall because my yeah. wife wanted like this big accent wall. And and of course, it's the wall that has the toilet <laughs> right. and the sink and, you know, not the, the empty wall, the, the, the lights. Rack. And so she wants to... <laughs> Right, exactly. And so, you know, I, I got to take the toilet out and the sink and then um, buy the tile and do all that. And uh, And then she wanted a new light fixture. So I had to put the new light fixture in and then I cut around it and I was just like a whole big thing. That was a, that was a nice big project, but I like doing it. And then I put a vanity in the bathroom for her because we, we converted one of the closets into a little makeup vanity for my wife. So it's like this little, her little mm-hmm. secret place in the bathroom. So you just open yeah. this door, think it's a closet and oh, cool. got a granite countertop and I wa- wallpapered it for her and ran some electrical so we could do the, the mirror, the lighted awesome. mirror for her. Yep. So she's happy with it. Very good, man. Yeah. Cool. So just, you know, things like that. So, um, this was great, man. I can't let you go before I ask you, uh, 10 questions I ask every episode. Um, and these questions were inspired by James Lipton and right, Bernard Pivot. So you ready? Okay. All right. And they could be quick answers. Okay. Who is your hero? My dad. What excites you? Opportunity. What turns you hip, off? Uh, hypocrite, hip, hypocrites. <laughs> hypocrites, yeah. What is your favorite sound? My k- kids' voices when I come home. Nice. 
What is your uh, least favorite sound? My phone going off in the middle of the night telling me I got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite quote or saying? Favorite quote or saying? Uh, gosh, man, this is, it's uh, it's going to sound kind of corny, but like it's just something my wife has always said, and it's like our our family motto is experiences over stuff. Yeah, nice. I like that. In a few words, what should a dad be? A dad should be the best partner to his spouse, the protector of his family, the provider, the one that is showing along with the wife, like how how to be a good human, man, like how to love, how to feel, like all of those things, I think. Mm-hmm. And in a few words, what should a dad not be? A uh, dad should not be the judge. Um, the dad should be letting, the dad should not be trying to like make his kids into him, right? The dads, that that's like, God, that's always, I know this is not a few words, but that's always been a struggle for me. Um, is to let them be who they are, not make them who you want them to be. Yeah, that's that's big. Yeah. That's really big. That's so important. If you could try any other profession, what would if it I be? Do any other profession, what would it be? I think a pilot. Like it, flying has always interested me and it fascinates me. So I think that would that would have to be it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say that. I think I've had, I think that's probably one of the Is most really? given answers cool. to that question. Yeah. And finally, what would you like to be, be remembered for? Um, just as a good man that uh, was who he says he was. Nice. Amen to that. Well, Justin, thank you so much for coming on the Word Dad podcast. Tell everybody where they can find out more about you, where they can see your blades, where they can, you know, follow you on social media. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a a pleasure. So thank you. Um, So I'm on Instagram. It's millmacaz. M-I-L-M-A-K-A-Z is one of them. And then millmacblades, M-I-L-M-A-K blades are my two places on Instagram. You can find me. My podcast is uh, Man Minutes Podcast. It's on iTunes and a couple other places you can go listen. Um, and then lastly, if you're interested in looking some of the blades or, or grabbing one, that website is millmacaz.com. So thank you so much. Nice. You have them for, or you they have are. some available now available in stock. Now. So we can even, let's do this, man. Awesome. I will do, I'll make a, uh, a coupon code up. How about that? And we can do, um, uh, you can put it in the show notes. We'll discuss it and uh, I'll give them a, a free shipping on them. So cool. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. Awesome. I'll put that in the show notes. I'll put the link in the show notes, um, the Instagram handles. And um, dude, this was great. Thank you so much. And um, you too. Thank you so much. I Jeff. wish you the best of luck. You too. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. If you like this podcast and want to support it, please subscribe, leave comments, and share it with someone you think would benefit from listening as well.
Thanks again, and keep on being a warrior dad.